Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello there, D-Aliens. This is Kevin Wall, the fill-in executive producer for the DA Show this week. Happy Thursday, as we are cheering to all of you on this thirsty Thursday. Shoei Otani looks like he's not going to be pitching anytime soon. And we had an interesting thing happen in the newsroom today. That is here on the Best of DA. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. A happy Thursday, a thirsty Thursday, the mothership reconnects, welcomes you four hours of solar sports keg stands live from the CBS Sports Radio studios in a city that I can't say heard on affiliates nationwide and north of the border on the free Odyssey app, the CBS Sports app on Sirius XM Sports Channel 158 from Anchorage to Atlanta. Minneapolis to St. Paul, Kalamazoo and Waterloo, we are on the air. They listening, D.A., everything we saying, D.A., everything. It is Thirsty Thursday time again here on the DA. It is day four of another week without the DA. Andrew Bogish in for Damon Amendolara. Ryan Botcher continues to be in for Pete Bellotti. However... Body makes his return tomorrow, so look out White Sox, look out any other team considering a managerial change or a front office change. The man that wields that power returns to his power chair tomorrow. This is once again a show produced by Kevin Wall, and Peter Schwartz returns to bring you headlines on this Thirsty Thursday. You know what that means. We're toasting the good stuff on this Thursday Normally, there's crap and complaints and trashes and get away from me, buddies. But today, it's all positive, unless you're the Angels. So tweet us your toasts at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogus. You could call them in as well, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I'll remind you once again that there is no Pete the Body Bilotti, which means that somebody actually will answer the phones if you were to call in with a Thirsty Thursday nominee, with a take on anything going on in the sports world, your phone calls will be answered for the remaining four hours today. Tomorrow, Pete's back. All bets are off. I'll also remind you that this remains just a radio show for two more days. Andrew Kappa enjoying some time off, so there is no stream. You just have to listen. But if you need to know what's happening visually on this show, Today's Ryan Botcher t-shirt is brought to you by New Jersey. He is wearing a Nets t-shirt jersey, Jason Kidd, in fact. And as I was leaving the newsroom to come into the studio, there was conversation of whether a young Ryan Botcher had either ever seen Jason Kidd play a basketball game live since you were born in 2001. Well, I caught him with the Knicks. 
Okay. And then I think almost doesn't count. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the last season he was with the Nets. I used to, I saw him. Okay. Or something around there. I know Vince Carter for sure was on the team. Okay. When I, when I was at games. Okay. I think I saw Jason Kidd play live. So uh, we're gonna drink to that in a very sad way. What else do we discuss on this Thursday? Uh, how serious is Chris Jones's unhappiness in Kansas City? The Chiefs' stud defensive lineman continues to hold out uh, and is threatening to continue to hold out into October. Is Trey Lance done in San Francisco? What I deem a genius ticketing idea from Memphis football that's been on my agenda all week long, I think we'll get to it today. The ACC, after all, maybe is going to head west. And Sounds of Saturday continues with the voice of the USC Trojans, PR Begast, another kind of dean of this industry. Yesterday we spoke to Jeff Colhane, who is in year two at Florida State. He is the Ryan Botcher, basically, of college football announcers, just a baby, just brand new. Pete Arbogast, another guy who has had the job for years and years and years, is the voice of a program, is the voice of a generation of fans when they think about their favorite Trojan moments. Reggie Bush, whomever, Matt Liner, Pete's voice is in their head. And I can't remember exactly who I said this to. I don't, was it this week or two weeks ago? But that, to me, is the pinnacle of this profession. And the particular profession of of play-by-play radio, TV, broadcasting, which is my first love in this industry. I understand the allure of being Joe Buck and calling World Series and calling Super Bowls, but that's a very limited job. There's only one Joe Buck. But there's a lot of people who get to become the soundtrack of a team, the soundtrack of a program, and have their voice forever connected to you know, 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 years of highlights. That, to me, means you've made it. That, to me, means you've done it, and that's what Pete Arbogast has been doing, I think, since the mid-'80s, if I'm remembering correctly, at USC. But either way, it is a uh, excited to talk to him and excited to talk about a really exciting football team. I mean, they did almost everything correct a year ago. A hamstring injury here or there, and things might have ended even better for the Trojans last year in year one under Lincoln Riley. Year two still has Caleb Williams, and basically they went around the country, USC, and just handpicked guys out of the transfer portal that they needed for this position, that position. You just come in, guys are showing up saying, hey, I'll, I'll play, you need a guy. It's, it's, it's nice living if you got it, if you're the head coach of USC, and the Trojans are rolling coming into this new season. But not too far from there is the complete opposite of USC football. It is, if they're still called this, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and their baseball hex continues because I woke up to my phone being overrun with alerts by every sports app and entity connected to my phone and my iPad telling me that the basically everything has gone wrong for the Angels in the last, I don't know, 18 hours, including their pets' heads are falling off. It's where we begin. Here's the pitch, and Shohei drives the ball deep into right center. It's way out of here. Right out of the blocks here on this Wednesday. It's showtime. 2-0 Angels. And here's the next pitch. That's fouled back on the right side, back to the club level. Still 2-2. Two two. Last fastball from Shohei at 94. And now the Angels are headed out to the mound. So there seems to be 
some concern about Otani. You just mentioned the velocity appeared to be down. Yeah. Bill Nevin has his hand on Shohei's shoulder, and we'll just have to wait and see what plays out here. Yeah, velocity's been down. We're seeing sweepers and splitters. Yeah. He's not throwing a fastball above 94. And that is going to end the day for Shohei. Yeah, he is going to leave. Shohei left the game today. Um, we did imaging in between games. He does have a tear, uh, you know, and he won't pitch the rest of the year. So we're going to get a second opinion, go from there, but it's basically day-to-day. Obviously, he hit. So, um, you know, that's, that's where we're at. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. This is why we can't have nice things. The baseball world changed while you were sleeping. Most of you were sleeping. Shohei Otani's Wednesday began with two strikeouts in the top of the first inning. And then in the bottom of the first inning, the home run that you just heard. And then all hell broke loose for the Angels. He leaves the game. As you heard Perry Manassi and their GM say, they go for scans, and he's got a tear in his UCL. It's the second time he's had that. The first time in 2018, he tried everything other than surgery, didn't work, had surgery, then didn't pitch in 2019, still wasn't the same in 2020. Since then, he's been the best thing we've ever seen on a baseball field. And all the conversations we have had up until last night were... Holy crap, this guy's ridiculous. Make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're enjoying this. Should they trade him? They shouldn't. They should. Why didn't they? Oh, my God. Now they've fallen apart. We told you they should have traded him. He's going to leave. They're going to get nothing. And now maybe he needs Tommy John surgery. The early thoughts yesterday were he's going to try and, and go through this again without surgery. But usually you end up having surgery. And surgery would mean not pitching next year. And a second Tommy John surgery is certainly not good news for anybody. We were months away from arguably the greatest free agency search sweepstakes ever. I put it up, I mean, in any sport, a guy like that, unique to say the least, an all-star pitcher, an all-star hitter, a future Hall of Famer, again, doing things that you're not supposed to be able to do and doing them well, was about to be on the open market for anybody with five, six, seven hundred million dollars to burn who could go get him and change your franchise and change further change baseball. And now I don't know what. Oh, and P.S., Mike Trout's going back on the injured list because after just coming back from that broken bone in his hand, had a swing yesterday, didn't feel right. So he's going back on the IL. Maybe he plays again this year. It doesn't matter, though, because they're no longer capable of winning a wild card spot. They were not going to win one anyway with that fully healthy Otani. But with Otani not pitching, that's completely off the table now. So part of me goes, I would just disband. 
the the angels can no longer exist. This is an all-time hex. This is an all-time curse. Wasting Mike Trout, getting Otani, wasting Otani. And now, on the precipice of losing him for nothing, I go in one other slight direction here, just kind of spitballing. Tell me if I'm crazy. Maybe they don't disband, and maybe somehow this is the universe turning in their direction because now maybe this actually helps them re-sign Otani because I don't know how you handle this. I don't know how you handled him to begin with fully functioning Otani. I'm not smart enough to know how you pay the hitter Otani plus the pitcher Otani. I don't know how you pay four, five, six years down the road not knowing ex- at some point, I you know, the... The theory is, the idea is at some point, one side or the other is going to have to give in to the other. He's going to have to be more hitter or more pitcher at some point. It's when you think that point is and what side you think he goes to. Presumably, you would just be the hitter because you can be the hitter for for much longer than you can be an effective front-end starter. So you're trying to figure out how you pay for both things. You're trying to figure out how to pay into the future where maybe he's not going to be elite at both anymore. But now you got to figure out how do, or even if I want to pay him, coming off a second Tommy John surgery. So maybe, just maybe, nestled underneath all of this soul-crushing, heartbreaking, organization-destroying news of yesterday... Maybe there is a sliver of a silver lining that the Angels who, when we had John Morosi, MLB Network on the show a couple of weeks ago, I think he pegged it at like 30% chance of him staying in Anaheim. Maybe that just got a bump closer to 50-50. Maybe, just maybe, a damaged Otani, options different maybe there's a way even to sign him like to like a a smaller contract if they would want to do that to get him through I, i don't know i don't know because actually to be honest it's hard to even have a thought about this because if you've listened to me on this show whether i've been doing this job or my actual job on the show nobody loves appreciates this guy more than me i am in complete awe of what he's doing It's the best thing in sports, day in and day out. Although Messi keeps really forcing the issue on that as well, with more magic last night in another tournament that an MLS team finds itself in. But there's nothing better, night in and night out in sports, than Shohei Otani pitching and or hitting. And now... He maybe probably needs a second Tommy John surgery. So at the very least, we're more than a year away from going back to the possibility of him doing both well. And it's on the table now that he never can get back to being the pitcher that he wants, that he that he is, that he was up until yesterday. There's also the idea of when all this went down, because don't forget he was pitching yesterday for the first time, I think since like August 9th was the date, because of arm fatigue. And then he comes back. And all of a sudden, he's got a UCL tear. And they say that this came out of nowhere yesterday. That the issues before were just fatigue and just cramping, dehydrating, whatever. It was not the fear of this. That just yesterday was the only time he said, ouch, my elbow hurts. 
I just I don't I just I don't even know where to go. This is just it just sucks for everybody. But from a baseball business standpoint, we no longer have the truest form of the Otani sweepstakes because now it's about UCLs and Tommy John and not just about the MVP and a Cy Young candidate being the same person. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. There's still so much to discuss on the Otani front. We will do that all morning long. We've got more on the ACC, apparently renewing his flirtation with Stanford, with Cal, with SMU. There's more baseball. It's more bad news from baseball. It's the Wanda Franco fiasco, which we could not get to yesterday. Never had enough time for it. Did not want to shortchange an important conversation. We will do our best to find a hole for that this morning as well. There is Trey Lance. There is Jonathan Taylor. There is Chris Jones. And it's a course of Thursday, Thursday. Send us your toasts at Andrew Bogish at CBS Sports Radio. Sound check is next. And it's a big sound check. There are four clips in sound check. Some good jokes, some bad jokes, some bad memories. It's all next on CBS Sports Radio. CBS presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. And Soundcheck, once again, is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. So here we go, a jam-packed soundcheck on this Thursday, Thursday. It begins with Jerry Jones being the worst form of Jerry Jones, discussing defensive end Sam Williams getting arrested for a second time. Well, uh, first of all, I'm saying that he is, as, which is more often the case than not, uh, this sh- sounds a little hollow, but he does and is uh, maturing, uh, and he is. Um, the, uh, uh, what was he going, 66? Was he going 66 miles an hour? No, this year. So he's 34 miles an hour less than this year than he was last year. 98 66. So that's improvement. It's not funny. Morty, just nod if you'd be willing to actually assault Jerry Jones <laughs> with your tuba. So if you're struggling with Jerry's slow pace and kind of scattered delivery, what he was doing there was making a joke about Sam Williams getting pulled over for a second time for speeding. This time he was only doing 66, not the 98 the first time. So he's slowing down while still blowing through speed zones. He's maturing, but still getting arrested. <laughs> so... This is his, I actually think it's his third reckless driving incident, but the second time he's been pulled over for speeding and we're making jokes about it and other adults are laughing at the jokes. No one going, hey, Jer, um, we're probably lucky we're not talking about a guy maybe crashing into somebody else and hurting somebody else or God forbid any worse. This is probably not the thing to joke about, that he's speeding less. This is Jerry Jones just being Jerry Jones. 
I mean, it must be nice to make jokes when you have a $6 billion franchise, you're living on a yacht, and you keep screwing up your team. I mean, the only cowboy that's slowed down faster <laughs> recently is Ezekiel Elliott. But, hey, let's make <laughs> jokes. As one of my players, one of Again. the people I'm paying millions of dollars gets arrested. But, hey, it's okay. He's maturing, slowing down. Yeah, and also, by the way, charged with uh, possession of a controlled substance, which is not marijuana. So, now, the, the charge is not driving while impaired. It's just having that on him after the traffic stop. So, this dude is just flat irresponsible behind the wheel of a car. We're lucky that only we're talking about speeding. Jerry's making jokes instead of going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hire him a driver. I'm going to have him stop being a doofus on the road. Instead, he's making jokes of how he's grown because now he's only doing 66 and a 35, not 98. What's the next excuse? Oh, uh, Sam Williams, he was on the GTA 5 binge, so he was speeding all over the place playing video games. Yeah, that Gran Turismo was a good movie. Everybody's fired up, want to drive fast. All right. Here's some good news. Remember when the Seahawks didn't win the Super Bowl because they were right on the goal line and threw a pass and it was intercepted? Well, Pete Carroll and his buddy Richard Sherman on the Richard Sherman podcast got to relive the end of Super Bowl 49. Yeah, you guys are so mad at me and so pissed. We're hurt. I, I, I wish I could feel it the way I should feel it, but, you know. You got to keep that going. That play just happened. Yeah. It wasn't, like, by design. It wasn't. There was no agenda. That play just happened. You guys couldn't hear it for years. But when we got down there, if remember, we had one timeout. Mm. And so as soon as we got there, I said, one of these plays, we're going to have to throw it to get all four plays. Because I'm always in, make sure that we have a chance to get all four shots. Right. So we run the first play. And I think what happened is Bill's late. He sends in the goal line team. Mm -hmm. And we had already sent in 11. Right. That went through the, the play callers. Mm -hmm. And that's what led them to throw it on that down. Right. It had nothing to do with anything else. Right. We've practiced it a million times. It was just the way we had prepared. So I was rock solid on, on the philosophy of it. Mm -hmm. It right. just was the worst play that could ever happen, you know? And the guy makes a, <laughs> he made a heck of play. play of a lifetime. I, I, I a play of a career, career for everybody's career, really. <laughs> and, it, and it turned all of that so dark, so instantly. Yeah. And I, if you remember, my moment was, I've been down and think, oh, I got to take this, you right. know? I thought this is the one of those moments that you prepare for. You got to be the epitome of poise, handle it, and own it. There's nothing you can say that's going to put it any other place. It was just as catastrophic as any moment could be. But the thing was, had we won that game, we'd have oh, won the won next one. We'd have won again because <laughs> we went back to the playoffs anyway. Again, after with all the crumble. It was a great team, man. Yeah. We were a great team. And you and that decision ruined it. I mean, he says he wants to take responsibility, but has he taken responsibility? He, his, his explanations have never made sense. And I love him as a head coach. I can't believe he's 71. That's the Don't forget, that's the oldest head coach working right now in the NFL. And throwing like Uncle Rico. Exactly. But his explanations have never made sense of their decision to throw. And he clearly knows a lot more football than I do. And I still don't know what he's talking about. There is still no scenario where they had a timeout. They could have stopped the clock after runs that didn't get in the end zone runs from Marshawn Lynch. I don't still understand the logic of throwing at any situation there, four downs at the one, Marshawn, 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 until he's in the end zone. With a timeout, they didn't need to throw a ball, to spike a ball, to stop the clock. They had the ability to stop it once. There was no reason to throw a pass. There never will be a reason to throw a pass. And the headline in all of that 
is that it ruined the whole thing because the defense correctly hated them for being stupid. Now, I don't think it was like, you know, they wanted, they didn't want to give it to Mark. There's a, there's some different conspiracy theories. They just made a dumb football decision. It backfired in the worst possible way. And all of those guys correctly never let them forget it. And I kind of wish Richard was a little meaner and a little had a little more pushback in this conversation on the podcast. And the one thing that we also forget about Jermaine Curse, a couple plays prior, made one of the best catches right. in NFL history. Yep. And it was erased with the minutes. Yep. I'm trying to remember now when that came up. There was another we we had we got on that idea on the show about great moments that get forgotten because your team didn't win. I had forgotten about that catch. I think exactly. DA brought it up and I had to go back and watch it again. So I mean it's on it's it's on the list of the Manningham catch and the Tyree catch for the Giants. New Yorkers here, like me, Andy Chavez had a tremendous catch in the NLCS against the Cardinals, but the Mets lost. Carlton Fisk's home run, waving it fair. They lose the next game. Forgotten. So, but that one still lives on. But yeah, the curse catch was ridiculous, and it should have been the precursor to Marshawn Lynch falling over the goal line for a touchdown and a repeat by the Seahawks. And it would have been a dynasty. They, yeah. There was no doubt that they were going back. And it, and it literally, that one decision ruined everything because the defense correctly wanted to fight them nonstop because they did a dumb thing on offense and it cost all of them. Exhale. Now the lighter portion of sound check. This is Hard Knocks. This is this week. This is Quinn and Williams, Jets' stud defensive tackle on a knee with the rest of the D-line group after Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans did a joint practice last week, apparently called Quinn and Williams fat. Mike Evans called me fat. He called me fat, bro. Mike Evans. Bro, I lost weight this offseason. I look fat. Now I'm self-conscious, bro. Yeah, I would say Damn, bro. Thick. But I think you feel no, oh, you think I rewind it? Do I look good to be 300 pounds? Okay, cool. So, you proportionate. This is my favorite moment, and I, I'm a sucker for for behind the scenes shows. I know there's a lot of people here in New York who think these jet episodes suck. I've been entertained. I have been. This was great. This is four or five big fat dudes on the knee, and basically Quinn Williams wants to be known. As the skinniest fat guy, as the healthiest fat guy, labels we've thrown around this show for years now. Doctors telling Sean that it's okay that he weighs whatever he weighs, and he's defending himself. And I got this looks good, and that looks good. These we've had that conversation on this show. You're not skinny. You're thick. You're husky. You're proportionate. These are this is how we walked around it. You know what? And Quinn Williams is not wrong. He's 300 pounds, but he does look good for 300 pounds. Which Sean, and Sean's not 300 pounds, but Sean doesn't look good for whatever Sean weighs. <laughs> and we don't need Sean on vacation this week. I think we're on three straight days of shirtless pool pictures or videos of Sean that literally, I mean, we just don't, nobody needs it. Nobody needs it. But this conversation ha- had me in hysterics watching it yesterday. Because this is this was our life for a decade. Not well. Now we couldn't use the, the F word, so at least they are a little open, more open-minded with the Jets and Mike Evans. 
They said fat freely, but diagnosing just how fat somebody is is one of our specialties, and it ended up on Hard Knocks this week. That is the one thing, because we know what Hard Knocks is. We know the competitiveness on the field. You're going to hear F-bombs left and right. That was one clip where it was clean. <laughs> it was right. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and then the follow-up, if you haven't seen the episode, is when the practice is over, Quinn Williams goes to Mike Evans and tells him how hurt he is that, <laughs> that he called him fat. I I I I enjoy I've enjoyed it. Schwartz is here again. We'll get his thoughts in just a second because I'm assuming he's seen episode three by now. I like it. I know you can dissect everything that Robert Salas says. I've been dissecting everything that Aaron Rodgers says and does. But Quinn and Williams made me laugh in every episode. The bad rookie performance and then the dude rapping his Eminem. That was fun. The Cobb mob was super cute this week. I'm in. Whatever. It's fine. Last but not least, we're at Blanky Stadium. This was two nights ago, correct? This is when they were on their way to their ninth consecutive loss. Uh, and we had a verbal oopsie open mic coming back from break. And our friend Susan Waldman said something she probably didn't want us to hear. Hi, this is Kyle Higashioka. Listen to every Yankees game on the Odyssey app. God, this is boring. <laughs> well, here's the center fielder, Alex Call. Whoops. Ah, this is boring. Yep. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. And Mom Pop Pinstripe, which they are affectionately called here in New York. Oops, I said that city's name. If you've lost her, you've lost everybody. That's baseball. If she's given up, if she can't stand a Kyle Higashioka liner and Yankee baseball down below her Yankee Stadium, then you might as well go home as well. And her entire life is based on this baseball team. Right. It's 24-7, 365. If you're not familiar with Susan Wallman, I know there's a lot of goof on her with the Roger Clemens and George's box. Her crying when Joe Torrey yeah. um, basically gets fired after the 07 ALDS. But she's a fan. She's a fan, and it's been that rough of a season for this team. And like you said, if you lose Susan Wallman, then you know you got issues. You know, I could use a heel turn out of her and John because they are fans first. That Their existence is Yankee baseball. That's that's who they are. That's what they do. They don't do anything else. They both go home in the offseason. They're not picking up a college basketball broadcast here or there. Susan's not working a golf event or anything like that. They disappear until spring training for the most part. This is what they do. If they spend the next six weeks just completely disinterested and it's audible in their calls of John's just like, man, the 2-2 to judge. Swing and a miss or it's high, it's far. It's gone. If I get that version of them just heartbroken, crestfallen, sign me up. And I I mean, Susan Wallman, she also had a Broadway career. She can sing. Great singer. And it's, you know, she gave that up for this team pretty much. And it's shot. And let's be honest, reality's reality. They they know they don't have infinite more seasons doing that job. So every lost season, every chance that they don't get to call another world title, it feels worse for them than it would for a younger person. Susan's going to have to go to Broadway again. She's going to give up baseball now and go back to the great Broadway, the great white way. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I would say so. I don't know about that. But we might have her singing during games in September when they're not when they're officially out of playoff contention. I'm the Rockets red glass. Oh, 
season is the third inning. The one, two to judge. She's a, they're just each doing their own show. He's still calling the baseball game. She's doing live auditions. <laughs> yeah, I love pepperoni. During the fourth inning with the Orioles. Oh, this is so boring. <laughs> In case anyone's listening, I'm just going to do a show soon. <laughs> so we get the Susan Wallman uh, show tune playlist throughout the rest of the season. Oh. So that's your sound check on this Thursday, Thursday. Peter Schwartz makes his second appearance of the week on Headlines. And I think you when you were here the last time, you said there was a Schwartz family viewing party for Hard Knock. So what's the review of episode three? The review is very good. I've enjoyed all three of them. I don't understand the knock, no pun intended, on the show so far this season. I thought it's been fun. I, To be honest with you, I know a lot of people like, oh, the guy getting cut and like bad things happening. I was always very cringy of it when I would – see that so I can understand where the Jets didn't want that in the show I thought it's been a good show so far I love that scene with Quinn and Williams and that soundbite you played before ends with it's I believe it's John Franklin Myers saying you look proportionate yeah. and and you cut it off there because then then Quinn turns to him and goes F you John <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Quinnen's great, and I yeah. think if you've been wondering about Robert Sala's impact on the team, the the scenes with Quinnen Williams, at least to me, confirm that they care about Robert Sala mm-hmm. because he and Quinnen are talking the entire time, having real conversations. Quinnen a hundred percent supports him, you know, responds to him. Now, maybe that's because he's a he's a, def, he's a defender, and Sala's a defensive guy first. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm all in on the Jets. If I, if I wasn't a Giant fan, if I didn't have a dog in the fight, because usually hard knocks makes you care about the team mm-hmm. into the regular season. I, I, I don't know. I get the Jet hype. I think they're legitimately good, and I think their problem is not their head coach. It's not their quarterback. Um, it might just be that the Dolphins or somebody else is better than them, but I think this is going to be a super fun year for you and your Yeah, boys. I don't think the Dolphins are better than them. I think, I the, meant, the, issue, like, I think the issue will be the Bills. And we'll we'll get a really good test first game of the season. If the Jets win that first game, then I think they'll battle Buffalo for the division title. I don't think Miami's that good. Yeah, I, I actually we said this yesterday. I'm a, I'm starting to get a little worried about the Bills. Little too much going on around them. Little yeah. too much. Too many questions. Little, little too much overrated. drama. And the Bills are a little overrated. Yeah. And Josh Allen, listen, he's a terrific quarterback, but. You know, inside the red zone, obviously he's had his issues. So listen, I I think the division's there for the Jets. There's no question. It it could have been there last year if they had a quarterback, right? So now they got a quarterback. So watch out. And now he got headlines. Watch out. Here's Peter Schwartz. Five hundred million dollar contract in free agency is certainly now up in the air for Angels two way star Shohei Otani. Otani left the first game of yesterday's doubleheader against the Reds in the second inning. After recording four outs and throwing just 26 pitches, last night Angels GM Perry Manassian delivered some bad news. Shohei left the game today. Um, we did imaging in between games. He does have a tear, uh, you know, and he won't pitch the rest of the year. So we're going to get a second opinion, go from there, but it's basically day-to-day. Obviously he hit, so, um, you know, that's... That's where we're at.
It is a tear of the UCL and Otani's right elbow. Manassian saying this is unfortunate news. Well, obviously disappointing news. I felt terrible for him. Um, you know, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, if anybody can bounce back, it's him. Otani was the DH in game two, went one for five. Angels were swept in the doubleheader by the Reds, 9-4 and 7-3. In that first game, Otani hit his 44th home run of the season. And to make matters worse for the Angels yesterday, Mike Trout goes back on the injured list. Elsewhere, the Yankees were looking to snap a nine-game losing streak, and their captain would certainly rise to the occasion. The 2-2 pitch. Chops off. Here's the 3-2. Swung on, head in the air to right field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. His third home run of the game. A judgey blast to right field. And the Yankees take an 8-0 lead. John Sterling, Yankees radio, first career three-home run game for Aaron Judge. He drove in six, and the Yankees put the brakes on their nine-game skid, beat the Nationals 9-1. If I may interject, now, as has become our custom, you get any Yankee highlight accompanied by John getting hit by the Justin Mm -hmm. Turner foul ball. Did I read that over the weekend, Justin Turner again hit the ball into the Yankee booth? I didn't see that. Yes, he he dodged the ball the last second. So for a second time in a season, the same batter hit a foul ball into this, because that happened at Yankee Stadium too, so it's the same booth at least. And the first one almost killed the guy, and the second one he at least dodged. Oh! That's remarkable. What are the odds of that? I have to find the highlight of that. It's got to be in the system somewhere. I, I, I only saw a write-up. I did not hear the clip. And then I think they couldn't find the ball okay. in the booth. But, like, there's a video of the ball going in, almost hitting him. I think it might be scraped his leg. But. You know, I've gotten hit by a foul ball in the press box. Really? Yeah. I almost got by a ball last night at a Little League game. Uh, Shea Stadium, a number of years ago. I wasn't paying attention. I was working for another radio station, and uh, I was reading a memo from the boss. No emails back then. It was a printed out memo wow. that I brought with me to the game to read. And I was reading it, and all of a sudden, boom, right in my forehead <laughs> is a foul ball. And uh, I got the ball, but I had to go to first aid because I was bleeding a little bit from the forehead. <laughs> did you get the ball signed? I did not get the ball signed. I missed an on-air update, only one. I just missed the one update, but I had to go down to first aid to get that cut oh. taken man, taken care of. Wow. Trouble do, is fine. I man. do have the ball. You know what's crazy? John Sterling has been broadcasting since 1971 because we know he has since with the Hawks. He's been with the Yankees. You know, I was with the Braves. I was with the Braves. And, and the Braves, too, on top Dale of that. Dale Murphy was fabulous. He never had to dodge a foul ball ever in his career. And this poor guy who's 85 years old, <laughs> he's not getting hit not once, but he's dodging balls twice now. Just close the window. Yeah, you could do that, but the open air, they like. I just came with the same guy, sent another missile back at them. <laughs> Imagine the odds of that. <laughs> Imagine, on the sports book. <laughs> that'd be something. Can they can they meet maybe? Have, did they meet after the first one? I yes, and they, they and they, they and they, they and they talked again about it this weekend. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, now to Milwaukee where the Brewers and Twins went extra inning. The 2-2 pitch. Chops softly towards third. This is a tough play. Charging Lewis. Jumps, throws on the run. It's not in time. Brewers win. Bryce Terang put the ball in play. He hit it softly to third, and he beats out a walk-off infield single. 8-7. Milwaukee completes the sweep in the 10th. 
call on Brewers Radio. Quickly to the NFL, Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan announcing Sam Darnold beat out Trey Lance for the number two quarterback job. Starting back from OTAs all the way to now, I mean, it was a hell of a battle. They, they were neck and neck for a long time, but just really over these last, you know, 10 days and stuff, we, we felt Sam started to separate himself. Um, we felt he did it in practice consistently, and um, he's been getting better each day. And Jets wide receiver Corey Davis announces he is stepping away from football. Peter, thank you very much. Uh, we'll stay in the NFL in just a second. Chris Jones' holdout, when it began, felt just kind of procedural. But now it doesn't feel like that at all. The stud Chiefs defensive lineman's next on the DA show. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, If only it was Monday, and if only DA was here, but his week off continues. It's Andrew Bogish, it's Kevin Wall, it's Ryan Botcher, it is Billy Jagalone. And all three of them are currently in the studio across from me now. Kevin and Ryan are supposed to be there. Billy is free to come in whenever he wants, but he's not necessarily making a personal call right now. He is hiding from a newsroom conversation that he does not want to be in. And normal, Hi, hey Billy, how are you? You don't, you don't need to name names, Billy, but what the heck is going on outside that you are hiding in here? A conversation about uh, names on the back of Yankee jerseys. <laughs> Whether they should be there or not. Whether they should be. Good Good thing I, I finished a lot of the work I had to do. Headphones you, don't really, you know, they, they do some job. Billy came in for personal safety and to warn Kevin and Ryan not to leave to avoid getting caught in the shrapnel of a conversation involving two people. Now, on their own, you can get trapped in that vortex with one of one or the other. But if you put the two together, I don't know when you see the daylight after that. So Billy, once again, is coming to the rescue of this entire, an entire organization, saving himself and saving the rest of us Just from that hailstorm. 
dying. I'm about to cough up a lung. <laughs> uh, one of, I mean, you can connect some dots here, right? People, one of the guys involved is wearing an Aaron Judge jersey, and it says Judge on the back. Now, I'm probably on the side of the idea of you cannot have a Yankee jersey with a name on the back. You just can't. It should be a jailable offense. It was getting heated. I looked outside the window, and they were yelling. So it probably should have gotten heated because that person needs to be taught a lesson about what a Yankee jersey actually is. This It's on the same list as if you're going to get a jersey, you got to get one that has the correct font. You can't have, like, the, the, the cop-out font that's, like, halfway to the real one. Either you get the jersey or you don't. It's one or the other. There's no in-betweens. There's no shortcuts so you should be yelled at if your Yankee jersey says judge above the 99 on your back. But the person doing the yelling in this scenario, <laughs> this is one of the times where you probably should kill the messenger. Here's the thing. This is something that people in their early 20s or high school kids, we got two grown 50-year-old men arguing about this. <laughs> And yes, the other person in the conversation is Schwartz. So it's exactly how it's everything that you can imagine right now. Schwartz is fighting the good fight, but you just you don't need to get that shrapnel. You don't need that to be in those crosshairs. And the kicker always is the other guy in the argument who is standing in the newsroom, apparently voice raised, arguing over Billy's head and sweet Tom DeCelestino. If we were arguing about something, disturbing his work, within a nanosecond, he'd be storming out of his little booth, yelling at us for being too loud. No Slamming one's got, the door. No one's got respect, can't get work done, back into his cubby, door slam. But he can stand out there and bellow and make Billy leave his post to find a safe haven. 7.56, he comes in, Billy. Oh, that too. Don't it's... leave. <laughs> Don't leave massive debate right now. About what? Otani? Do we sign Otani? Uh, does Aaron Rodgers, you know, should he play Saturday? No, it's about freaking Yankee jerseys with the last name on. It reminds me of Billy Madison when that kid goes to Billy. He's like, I can't wait till I'm in high school. And he, like, grabs him by the face, and he's like, never leave here. Trust me. Stay here. Billy comes in and pins you in the room. Never leave. You don't know how good you have it inside here. <laughs> Just how we explained it. It may have been one of the funniest moments I've ever had here. <laughs> is, is it over yet? I can't see. Is, is it safe to leave yet? Should we he's ask? Coming back. He's coming back. Uh-oh. Oh, Billy already left. Okay. It's okay. It's calmed down. Billy can go back to work. All right, fine. I guess we should as well. Um, is there a segue here? And Trey Lance is kind of stuck in the moment in San Francisco. The news yesterday was that Sam Darnold is the backup quarterback now to Brock Purdy with the Niners. If you recall, I'm going to go way back, the Niners paid three first-round picks to get to the third pick to take Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota State. He played a little bit as a, as a rookie, but then told us that he had a bum finger, changed his throwing motion, explained why he wasn't that great. Then he started the first two games of last season, broke his ankle, never played again. First it was Jimmy G, then it was Brock Purdy. And Purdy was so good and so firmly won the job that coming off an elbow injury, 
they never even entertained the idea that they'd go in a different direction at quarterback. It was always Brock's the guy as soon as he's healthy. So many coaches and GMs blow smoke about competition and we'll see what happens when everybody's healthy. The Niners said, no, it's Brock. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Once he's healthy, it's his job. And now Trey Lance can't even back up Brock Purdy. Jumped by Sam Darnold. Now, I guess, although some people have taken it differently, Kyle Shanahan suggested earlier in the week that maybe who the backup is would change week to week, so it didn't really matter, the designation. We also, again, don't forget, because of the Niners' NFC championship championship game debacle, you can now carry a third quarterback. So up until this year, recent past in the NFL, most teams only had two quarterbacks, so there wasn't even a guy to be number three. Now you could be number three, be on the roster, but you're just you're that far from playing. So as Trey Lance gets labeled QB three in San Francisco, we're talking trade. And it I mean, it's worth the gamble here. If you're and we discussed the Bucs yesterday. I don't think Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask is the answer past this year. Is there's not the long term solution. So you need to keep looking around if you are the Buccaneers. So the Rams, they're going to eventually need to replace Matthew Stafford. In fact, didn't they already think about how to get rid of Matt Stafford? So, like, the end is near for him. The Vikings and Kirk Cousins, this is the last year they have an agreement. Doesn't have to end this year, but maybe it could. Maybe Minnesota, after moving off of Dalvin Cook, other roster changes, maybe they want to reset the QB price tag on that salary cap. And maybe they want to take their chances on a young guy and see if they can find the next, you know, six, seven, eight-year starter for them. So there are some teams that make sense to trade for Trey Lance. Now, I keep people keep mentioning the Falcons, and I don't understand that part because the Falcons seem to be in love with Desmond Ritter. So I don't know why they would trade for Trey Lance, but they keep making all of these where could Trey Lance lists. So they don't make sense to me. But the Vikings, the Rams, the Bucks, anybody else that you think of right now that needs a new young quarterback, check in on Trey Lance of 100%. The problem becomes, what are the Niners going to get back for Trey Lance? And the Athletic had a quick spin through some anonymous execs. And like best case scenario was a third round pick. With some guys going maybe a fifth or a sixth because... Well, I guess the reputation for Trey Lance of being a smart quarterback and a hardworking quarterback, those things exist. People see a finger injury and a broken ankle, and they go, he can't stay healthy. Now, you know, the, the ankle, on one hand, isn't his fault, but on the other hand, he was doing it making a play with his legs, which you need him to do to be Trey Lance, which is why you loved him in the first place. So you can't ignore it and say, oh, it was just bad luck because he's going to put himself in a similar position at some point for a guy to be dragging him down and twisting him and falling on top of him and then pop, something else goes, and you've lost him again. So the Niners are never, never even come remotely close to getting back the three. They're not even going to get all first-round pick back for the three they gave up to get to number three to be able to take Trey Lance. And it doesn't matter. It's crazy. It doesn't matter. It's, it's like it's a chuckle, but no one's crushing them. No one's going, you can't have this guy be your GM anymore. What was Kyle Shanahan thinking? Because simultaneously, they were lucky, more lucky than smart, to 
write Brock Purdy's name on a card at the end of a draft two years ago. And this guy has won their hearts and minds, and he's their quarterback, and away they go. And I think they're the best team in the NFC. Still waiting to see exactly what he is over a full season. There's certainly, again, as we said earlier in the week, there's reason to to slow down the Brock Purdy love affair over a full season, over multiple seasons. But the Niners made one of the worst trades ever. Three first-round picks to take Trey Lance. And after, what is that, two seasons... He has played in eight games, four starts, two wins, two losses, 800 passing yards, and five touchdowns. And now he's QB3. And it's like basically just a joke. Ha ha. No big deal. Like just no one cares. It's amazing because they stumbled into Brock Purdy. And they get next to no credit for that, at least from, from my vantage point. Because... If they thought Brock Purdy was a franchise quarterback, they would not have waited till the last pick of the draft to take him. They took him thinking about depth and development, and maybe he's a guy that we can trade at some point because teams see him in the preseason or whatever, or he gets a chance to play because Trey got hurt for a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden he's got some pizzazz, this young backup quarterback, and you know maybe we can move him for an asset a couple of years from now. And he turns out to be one of the best stories in recent memory. And that may continue, it may not. But because they basically just threw something against the wall and it stuck, no one seems to care that within two years they're licking their wounds. I'm not can't say begging, but are about to maybe trade away a guy they spent three first round picks to take, and all they got out of it was eight games and four starts. And somebody should trade for Trey Lance. I, I can't imagine that Trey Lance is just cooked. And you can be concerned about his injuries and whatnot, but he's cheap for the next couple of years, and you may have you know, similar Niner luck that he stays healthy and he meets the potential that a lot of people saw in him. A lot of people wanted Trey Lance in that draft. And apparently multiple teams asked about Trey Lance around the draft this year, knowing how much the Niners loved Brock Purdy. And I think the Vikings were one of those teams, which is why they again get mentioned in these conversations now. They've already at least had a talk or two with the Niners about Trey Lance. But there, it's a gamble I would take. I might, I'd give you a fourth-round pick for Trey Lance. If I'm the Bucks, if I'm the Rams, if I'm the Vikings. The problem is when you bring him in, is he prepared to back up for you right away? Or then is he your QB3 at the start? And then where is he getting reps? Because it's hard enough to get two quarterbacks reps in practice. You're not getting your third guy anything meaningful most weeks. So how do you actually kind of kickstart the on-field development for Trey Lance? But you're always trying to find a guy that can play that position for the foreseeable future for you. You don't want to go stopgap to stopgap. So you want to answer that spot. And I'd ask the Trey Lance question, especially because it's going to cost me really nothing. I know every pick matters, and you need young guys, but I'm not going to miss a fourth-rounder that I gave to a team that didn't want this dude anymore, and maybe somehow he becomes my guy for six years, I'll do that. I'll do that if I'm Jason Light. I'll do that if I'm the Vikings. Give me the Rams. 
I'm trying to think around the, the league elsewhere who might do this. But sign me up for this. Sign me up for Trey Lance. doesn't work, I don't care. I didn't pay three first-round picks for him. And if it doesn't work, I'll find somebody else. I just can't believe, though, how fast this has fallen and how easily the Niners are getting off for burning three first-round picks because they've hit on so many other things, including Brock Purdy. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. From the NFL to college football, the Memphis Tigers, their home opener is against Bethune-Cookman. And the Tigers this week announced a pretty cool ticket idea that I think works no matter what. Maybe in the end, they lose on some math and on some money, but that would come at the trade-off of getting wins and getting notoriety. That idea from Memphis Tiger football ticket office is next on the DA Show. We are still processing Billy Jacqueline's escape from newsroom hell about a half an hour ago. Billy, I saw him. He's back out there, headphones on, back to work. He's a foxhole guy. But he was in the middle of a fight that nobody should be in the middle of. And smartly saved himself, but then didn't leave any man behind either. Came in here, told all of us to stay put. Nobody leave until it's safe again. And the coast is now clear. But Act 2 looms because the two guys involved are still here. It's only 820. They're, both of them are here for still hours. So hopefully Billy is safe for the rest of his shift, but the rest of us might not be. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Send us your toasts on this Thursday, Thursday, at Andrew Bogish, at CBS Sports Radio, uh, and also to any of your responses who we've been talking about. Uh, and Mayo, who I believe already read his toast, wrote in that, I don't think the Niners would trade Trey Lance for the Rams within the division, having to play them twice a year. Probably right, but if somehow the Rams were the team willing to give you the most, I think you in a team, because they traded three first-round picks to get Trey Lance, you need to recoup, and they made other deals like Christian McCaffrey. They need to recoup picks left and right. If the Rams, for some reason, want to overpay you for Trey Lance, deal with it and take that because you're getting rid of him because you think your guy's better than him anyway. So why sweat giving them or giving him to them? As far as Booskies go on this Thursday, our good friend Mac and Bear. Morning, guys. Brewskies to my son, Mac Jr., 18 today, heading to college tomorrow. I'm so proud of him. Uh, and Brewskies to the crew for a special, I can't read, a spectacular job like always. Hashtag big props to all the great. Hashtag the aliens. Moist pork for a change, being nice to people. I'm toasting to my neighbors two doors down for running a post-camp camp and thereby ending my need to drive carpool anymore. Hashtag Thursday Thursday. Do they have hot cocoa on demand at that camp would be the follow-up question. Robin the 321 is toasting us for another fun week without the main man. We appreciate all of that. Sean Ironman 90. I'm toasting to my wife and daughter for having a great week at a Comic-Con. Nothing like real family time and Gravity Falls cosplay. Hashtag Thirsty Thursday. Hashtag Toastem. I'm not 
I'm not fully aware of Gravity Falls to grade because Sean attached a picture. Wait, I, I can't grade. What's his at? Uh, Sean Tiger Time ninety. Okay, is the actual I think, handle. I think I was added in this. Oh, okay, you were. Yeah, you were. Yes. Oh, it's it's good. Very it's good. good. Yes. Okay. See, that's why you're here too to help us out for things like this because I know Gravity Falls exists, but I could not grade their costumes. That was that was my. And I think that started my end of like Cartoon Network or Disney. Okay. Around that era. So that was like, instead was, of your gateway like, drug, that was your yeah, way was out like of my that. My way out of, I think it was like 20, it was like started 2013, 2014, I think. Okay. Very good show though. Okay. So I mentioned the Memphis Tigers. As their new season begins, here's the idea that they came up with. For $60, in particular sections of their stadium, for $60, you get a ticket to their home opener against Bethune-Cookman. If the Tigers win, your ticket carries over to their next home game. So you get a free ticket for the next game, which is against Navy. If they win that game, same thing. You go to the next home game for free. You keep going until they lose at home. Now, they're going to beat Bethune-Cookman. So you're for 60 bucks a pop, you're getting one ticket for at least two games. I love this because right away I'm thinking... I don't need to see Bethune-Cookman, but I'd go to Memphis Navy. So I give you 60 bucks now. I get the bonus game. They're going to win. Then I get my Navy ticket, and now I'm living life. Now I'm it's house money. If they beat Navy, now I'm coming to the next game for free. Now I'm really making cash. I guess the bad thing is if Memphis wins all its home games, you only got, for these bunches of seats, $60 ahead, not whatever you would normally do per home game, per home game, per home game. But if you're winning all these home games you're getting a little more love from everybody else in general. So it probably pays up. It balances out getting people in the building is hard these days. It's and in a city that has other options like Memphis does in a place where it's not prime time college football, not every ticket is easy to sell and a football stadium has got a lot of tickets to sell. So most places have to be creative. And this to me is creative. I would do, if I was at, if I was in the, if I was the target audience here, sign me up. I'll roll that dice. 60 bucks now. I'm getting at least two games off that 60 bucks. Maybe a third, maybe a fourth. Now, eventually Memphis plays our friends from Boise State. And I don't need any kind of season preview to know that the Broncos are going to be dangerous. So that might be where this streak ends. But it's Bethune, Cookman, it's Navy, and then it's Boise. So that's the first hurdle in that third home game. But I like this. This is a great idea. You got it. When you're not Alabama, you got to be creative. You get folks in the building. And I think this is smart because there's winnable games to make your, the initial investment work. And if you keep winning, we'll keep talking about it. And if you get to the end of the season, perfect at home, more power to you. You're not going to miss the actual ticket money because folks will still be there spending the cash inside the building. And you'll be getting, you know, a couple of headlines here and there about winning and this little plan continuing to go. If only the NFL was able to do that. <laughs> like the Houston Texans, you know, they're desperate to right. sell out. This is a rollover plan. You keep <laughs> winning for losses. But, in, but instead, you got to pay for preseason games to get into regular season games. Oh, yeah, you got to deal with that. Yeah. But good for Memphis. A, a boost key to the Memphis football ticket office, thinking outside the box. And I hope it pays off for them. 855 212 4CBS, 855 212 4227. 
Uh, the Booskies continue at CBS Sports Radio at Andrew Bogish. Oh, and I'm, I'm the first thing I see now is on a refresh is that Boise's already doing this, this ticket plan. One carries over to the next. So Memphis not as absolutely creative as I thought, but still a good idea. So whoever's doing it, wherever you are in the country, it's smart. Get folks in the building, win some football games. Maybe you're making new fans. Everybody wins. And Boise, I, I mean, I would imagine, you know, they're going to win their first home game. Like, it's going to continue over and over again. You'd think also, too, that because that is that is the show in town, that they'd be turning people away. They wouldn't need that many gimmicks and deals to get folks into that building. However, their first home game is UCF. So that's a dicey proposition mm. there. It ain't Bethune-Cookman. But I feel like boys, you know, I know you've been. I know the show's been. Yeah. I haven't been. But they sell out most of the time, even even if they're not good, right? I th- I thought so. But again, you, we're talking about tens of thousands of seats. So it's always going to be hard to figure that out. But I mean, like there's very little competition on a football Saturday in Boise. Like Memphis is fighting Memphis. Like I'm going to go to, I'm going to do <laughs> Memphis things, not go to a Tigers football game. Um, and they at least were, they have the built in with all, again, due respect to Bethune-Cookman, like you're going to win that first game. So you're really paying to get into two at the very least. Boise, you're doing this. This bad boy might end in week one if UCF has their way on the blue turf. But it's a great idea. So if one it. school's doing it, two schools or 20, keep doing it. Keep being smart. Keep being creative. Keep getting people in the building, building fan bases, and you know, creating notoriety in other ways. Uh, keep the tweets coming. Keep the booskies coming. But now, headlines. Stunned to a news. Here's Peter Schwartz. All right, Bogues, Angels two-way star Shohei Otani has a tear in the ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow and will not pitch again this season. Otani left the first game of yesterday's doubleheader against the Reds in the second inning after recording four outs and throwing just 26 pitches. GM Perry Manassian says Tommy John surgery has not yet been discussed. We have not yet. Again, this is fairly new. It's been between games and got the imaging right before the game and had a quick discussion and then we haven't talked to Naz and his representation and, you know, it's uh, obviously unfortunate. And Manassian was asked if Otani can continue to be a two-way player going forward. I would never put any limitations on players in general, especially him. So I think he's shown... You know, it's it's obviously possible to do and excel at it. Um, no, I think you know, injuries happen. Otani, the DH in game two, went one for five, and he was expected to get a contract in excess of $500 million as a free agent during the offseason, but that now very much up in the air. Bogues, if you were Otani and you were told you could pick one or the other going forward, you'll get this massive free agent contract, but we're not signing you as both. You have to be a pitcher or a hitter. What's he doing? Uh, I'd be a hitter. Now, I'd say pay me as both, but if I had to pick one, I'll hit. I can last longer as a hitter. Elbow pain, yeah. shoulder pain, that sucks. I'll just keep hitting. He may, he, he may ultimately have to make that decision. Right, but now this changes the calendar on that, which makes paying him a dollar figure and a number of years. It was already hard. This I don't even know how much harder this makes it, but a lot. I mean, I 
who who's going to give him any kind of deal during the offseason? Oh, I mean, I I would think while that while he's rehabbing Tommy John surgery, yeah, he's my, getting it. I, if I my guess is no one is out on Shohei Otani. Anyone that wanted him at this time yesterday still wants him, and they are licking their chops at the discounted price. Yeah, I don't think anyone's backing away from this. And it's going to be a much shorter term than it would have been. He's not, I, I, I guess. He's not getting an eight-year. Who's giving him an eight-year contract? Unless you have a, you know, some weird out clause halfway through it, and this is going to be a very, probably a very creative deal unless yeah. there's one idiot who just goes, I don't care. I want yeah. him. Whatever we're going to pay him on that Wednesday morning, We'll still pay him now. Angels were swept in a doubleheader by the Reds, 9-4 and 7-3, and Mike Trout is back on the injured list. Elsewhere in New York, it was a grand way for the Yankees to end their nine-game losing streak. Here's the 1-0 to Judge. Swung on, hit in the air to center field. Back goes Thomas on the track. At the wall, she is gone. It's a grand slam. John Sterling and a little bit of Susan Waldman on Yankees radio. That was the second of three home runs for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees beat the Nationals 9-1. to Now to Baltimore. Richards with a 1-1. Santander has sent another one out. This one is long gone. Out of the flag court again, bouncing towards Utah Street. A two-homer night for Anthony Santander, and the Orioles get another insurance run. The call on Orioles radio, along with an owl from John Sterling. The Orioles beat the Blue Jays seven to nothing. You had the Braves over the Mets seven to nothing. The Dodgers Guardians game suspended because of rain after two. The Dodgers up three one. They'll pick that up this afternoon at twelve ten Eastern time. A wins for the Rays, Brewers, Royals, and Cardinals. Padres blanked the Marlins four nothing. You had the Giants over the Phillies eight to six. Now to football, the 49ers naming Sam Darnold, their number two quarterback, head coach Kyle Shanahan, said it was not easy picking between Darnold and Trey Lance. Trey made it real tight. He made it tough. Um, it was an easy decision for us, but um, we felt, you know, with the the work that they both put in, this game, um, you know, our decision was made before this game. So felt that I owed it at least to Trey to tell him first and foremost. So I brought him in this morning and let him know, and um, now we're here. And the 49ers will reportedly. Am I missing something here? No. In fact, you hit on three things. Ryan Botcher, who can't still gamble legally because he doesn't have paperwork to get that accomplished, <laughs> just won his first unofficial parlay. Yeah. Woo! He had the three-legged Schwartz update parlay. <laughs> his ticket reads... Shohei Otani, Paramanassian clip, check. Aaron Judge, home run, check. Trey Lance sound, check. Welcome to the world of winning bets, Ryan Botcher. Congratulations. Talk- you feel so alive. I, I wouldn't be so Woo-hoo. proud of that. I mean, three stories yesterday. Well, the odds were not great. You're right. There was no real upset in there. It's, it was more on the no, prince. It's, it's not like he bet a hundred dollars and won a million on that. I mean, no. come on now. Hey, three a three cent wins a three cent win. Exactly. I, You've got more money than you did five minutes ago, and that's all, all that right, matters. And you can go down and get me a bagel now. What about the fruit cup? Oh, no. is the fruit cup on the way? No, it's not. All right. Well, <laughs> I've only had some champagne to spray. Well, non-alcoholic champagne. Please. Where it's work hours. He's Beaming. We've created another I, compulsive gambler. Listen, First, we've lost Bilotti. Now, Botch is going down that dark road again. Look, Dave and Buster's every day. 
I'll 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 play you in some air hockey at Dave and Buster's. <laughs> How about that? I if it wasn't so far away from where I live, I'd be so down. Hop on some mass transportation, come out to Long Island, and I'll I'll whip the, whip the floor with you in air hockey. Oh, I'm not very good at air hockey, but that, that's a challenge. Hey, I take that as a compliment. You're inviting him to Long Island, unlike some people. Unlike who? You know who? Melody? Uh, no. Former producer? Sure, we can say that. I think I think he means there's a person that you would not allow to come to Long Island, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, person, I would not want to yes. come yes. to Long Island. Listen, I, I, I'm already in trouble for something that I said on the air. I'm not getting in any more trouble. So that's it. We're gonna, okay. we're gonna. I, I like being on good terms with everybody, so I'm just gonna keep it that way, and I'm not gonna put my foot in my mouth again. I do a good enough job doing that in other ways. I'm not doing it in that. I'm not going down that road again. So let's just finish the update. We'll get the stunned. And I'm going to stay out of trouble and go relax in the other room. Colts reportedly get back Jonathan Taylor until Tuesday to find a suitable trade partner. It's said to be six teams who have inquired with two teams, including the Dolphins, presenting offers. Jets wide receiver Corey Davis announced he is stepping away from football. You have that on your bingo card there, buddy? I actually did. did. I didn't, I didn't want to risk the four for four parlay, though. You didn't want to risk the four for four hand. But sometimes in life you have to take some chances. Yeah, it, it didn't get enough plus money for that. Yeah, you know, make a harder bet next time, please. Soccer U.S. Open Cup semifinals. Inter Miami defeated Cincinnati on penalty kicks after a three-three tie through extra time. Lionel Messi with a couple of assists to help force that extra time, and Inter Miami moves on to the final to take on Real Salt Lake on September twenty-seventh. And now, mercifully, it's time to get stunned. It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. Police in Connecticut have solved a mystery. Okay. A mystery surrounding a kitten. Okay. A cat that was found in a stolen, crashed car actually belongs to the suspect. Police found a kitten in a stolen car say they have located the animal's owner. It is a juvenile suspect who fled and was arrested after the car crashed. The Meridian Police Department said on its Facebook page last Thursday, the gray and white male cat has been returned to the suspect's mother. The department said the youth said nothing to officers about the pet, which was found under a seat. Instead, police were led to the owner by someone who responded to the department's Facebook post earlier this week looking for the animal's owner. In the meantime, a number of people contacted authorities looking to adopt the cat, police said. Police said they found the feline while searching for evidence after the stolen vehicle collided with a patrol car during an August 10th chase. So walk me through this if you can. If car gets stolen and crashed, yes. they find just the cat in the car. Yes. They post so a obviously the cat was somewhat of an accomplice to the theft. Because, a, a because cat this, burglar, one might even yeah, say. There you go. Very nice. So You're they, lucky I didn't have it up. Thank you. Um, there it is. Morty I, is still I, working I, on I Jerry Jones. I thought that was a good one. Thank you. I appreciate that. So they post a picture of the kitten. 
they're led back to a boy who then they discover was the one that wrecked the car? Yes. He stole the car, wrecked the car, and did not say anything to the officers about the, the cat being in the car. It's a cute cat, too. But now, now you... if, if, if the, if the, now listen, I don't like cats, but if this clown had any love for his pet whatsoever, wouldn't he have told the police that, hey, you know, I, I, listen, you got me, I stole the car, I wrecked the car, but my, my cat's in the car. But if they, sh- but, so again, I guess the timeline's my confusion here. If they show up at his door and they go, hey, we found your cat in a stolen car, you they go. They returned it to the mother. Right. You go, okay, thanks, guys. And you, of course, you don't say, oh, yeah, he was in the car because I stole that. So how do they figure out that he stole the car? Did that become before well, was a or car after chain. they knew who. Well, no, well, if there, there was a car chase. He stole the car. They found the stolen car. They're chasing him. He crashes the car. And he's arrested right away. And he's arrested so after he the... fled the car. But he never mentions that the cat is in the car. Right, but when they is find... Is carrying the cat, by the way? That's the, so that's the thing. Okay, cat? So this is why I was confused. The I cat didn't... is in the car. No, he wasn't. He didn't flee but it wasn't the his car. car. The right. But this is what so my confusion bring... yeah, was. he's bringing the cat. Like, that's my point, too. Is like, okay, you're stealing a car. Why are you bringing your cat with but, you? But, as again, my idiot brain walks through this, if... There's a car chase. The car crashes. You get the guy who was in the car. Yeah. Then you find a cat in the car. The cat's either his or belongs to the person who owned the car who just had it stolen. Why the mystery? Did they think the car, the cat just jumped into this crash well, that, car for I fun? I would think that would the be minute some, after? It had to be on their minds because if a car crashed, I don't know how how badly the car crashed, but you know, you can have a, a car crash and there's a broken window. Maybe there's a stray cat that is wandering the street, jumps into the car, thinking maybe it's a little too hot outside. I'll go inside here and relax a little bit. There's too many un- unanswered questions here. Officers were pursuing the vehicle on suspicion it had been used in armed robberies in several nearby communities hours earlier. After the crash, six suspects fled but were soon arrested. I'm sorry that I, I'm not understanding this one. It's my fault. You can so a guy basically stole a car, brought no, his no, cab I, with him. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm on it now, but my confusion so was apparently there were six suspects, but maybe not all six suspects were in that particular car. Maybe some of them fled in other cars. Yeah, the other five kittens. <laughs> maybe was, they had was, stolen I, kittens, and yeah. then they just steal cars to get away from where they're taking the kittens from. I mm. lived I lived not far uh, from this town in Connecticut. It was very odd every time I, I was driving through it. So you felt a weirdness in Meridian, I felt a Connecticut. Weird vibe back because in October. Because of cats, you see cats running around all the time. Cats. Uh, you ever see a cat yes. driving a car in Meridian, Connecticut? No, but okay. you, I'm glad you had to think about that. It's not, <laughs> it's I don't even not remember. Pro- <laughs> I've ever seen a it's cat possible. driving a car. No, you'd remember that right town. away. It's a weird town. It's a it's a weird state. I like Connecticut, but it's a bizarre state. It, it's the worst state to drive in. If you think yeah. New York is bad, if you think New Jersey's bad, no matter what time of the day, you're going to hit traffic in Connecticut. So can I ask a question then? The debris Please. from the car crash? Yeah. Is that kitty litter? 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. <laughs> 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 
because this makes sense. Jonathan Taylor and his future in Indy coming up after this on CB. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Yes, Wars Radio. Oh, we are feeling good. I'm doing great. One question, one question only. How are you feeling? Well, I feel good and I'm doing well. You should be doing well. It's a Thursday, Thursday here on the DA Show. Andrew Bogish in for DA. Ryan Botcher's in for Pete the Body Bilotti, who does make a triumphant return for tomorrow's show. Kevin Wall will finish the week of five for five for him as the producer. Peter Schwartz on headlines today. Cassert is back tomorrow. It's a big week. It's been a busy week. My thanks again to all you guys for helping get me through it and to you guys for listening at home uh, and the kind toasts and whatnot. We see them all. We appreciate them all. And we are honored to be here, but also very happy that things are going back to normal-ish when we get to Monday. But there's still five hours of show for our shenanigans before that happens. And in this final hour, we'll talk NBA basketball with Gerald Brown, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. James Harden versus Daryl Morey continues. Uh, I think we've been, it's been a while now since any real significant Damian Lillard update. People are in love with Anthony Edwards as he continues to shine for Team USA at the FIBA World Cup, which begins for real, I believe, Saturday. I'm off on the time roll this because... It's much like the World Cup where it's really far off from Eastern time as they're playing in kind of Southeast Asia. Uh, but people are loving what Anthony Edwards has been doing for that team. So we'll get into all of that with Gerald later this hour. Of course, in the final hour, there's an epic fail. There's advanced analytics. Today's poll question, by the way, at CBS Sports Radio, coming off, I mean, the near-death experience that uh, Billy Jacques alone went through out in the newsroom, stuck between two arguing giants. We are asking you on this Thursday morning, at what age should people stop arguing about jerseys? Again, a very specific question. And you've got four answers on this Thursday, 18 to 29 or 30 to 50. So I guess once you pass 50, you might as well just not stop. Just keep going. Never is also a choice or jersey arguments are dumb. So get your votes in at CBS Sports Radio. The results, advanced analytics, as always, to close out the show. But now it's time to continue our college football preview. The USC Trojans, number six in America in the preseason polls, in our crosshairs this morning. They are led by their very successful and very innovative head coach in Lincoln Riley and the quarterback that followed him from Oklahoma in Caleb Williams, who was so good last year. He won the Heisman. Can he win it again this year? Can they do better than their breakthrough return campaign a year ago? 
all questions we have for Pete Arbogast, the voice of the Trojans, right now in Sounds of Saturday. The DA Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. It is tipped off. And Lewis going on to the Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown over. Touchdown over. Got a block from Brown. 50, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Touchdown, Boston College. He did it. He did it. Cody did it. All the bandits out. The Bears have won! Oh my God! The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football! It's the sounds of Saturday, every morning on CBS Sports Radio. He's going to throw it long. Does. Caught by Anderson at the 20. Stays on his feet. He'll go all the way. One play, 75 yards. Touchdown, USC, Jordan Anderson. So here we go with USC football, and the voice of the Trojans joins us here on this Thursday morning. It is Pete Arbogast. Pete, thank you so much for being with us. And I got to say, we've talked to a lot of gentlemen this month and a few more still to come next week. But all things considered, team, history, tradition, city, success, uh, you might have the best job of the bunch that we've talked to this summer. Well, I have always thought so, but it's a job that I wanted when I was like nine years old. So um, (laughs) I I consider myself quite lucky most years, not every year, but most years. And I'll be honest that you were not the first person this month to say that, that this, that you have your dream job and not just to be calling college football, but to be calling it at a particular school. There's a lot of you guys who have made your dreams come true. It's really weird sometimes how that works. Uh, I had my eyes on it literally when I before I turned ten. Uh, my dad brought home a record album. Remember those? Uh, <laughs> an old vinyl album uh, of the nineteen sixty four USC season, which wasn't a great season. They I think they went six and four, uh, but they beat Notre Dame, uh, which was the number one team in the country at the end of the season, and I was there. Uh, and kind of by myself because my dad was sitting in the press box and I was I was down in the seats. Uh, and I remember the sound waving over me uh, and the excitement of the moment when SC won the game right at the end of the contest. And then to listen to it on a record album and and remember what it was like. And, I you know, I wore that thing out. And after I listened to it the 700th time, I said to my dad, can I do that? Do you think I could do that? how old is this guy that's doing it, Tom Kelly? And he said, well, I think he's about 45, so it'll probably be just about right when you get to be 30, 35, 40 years old. So we we kind of aimed at that. I mean, it wasn't much him, mostly me, but uh, I had my eyes on that the whole time, the whole time. Well, that's that's amazing. And I, I share that. I mean, this has been, I love radio. I love calling games. Uh, the more I can do, the better. It's an amazing job, and I'm very jealous of you guys who do have a game every Saturday. Well, we are sick men, that's for sure. <laughs> um, as you were getting this job and working your way into it, was it tough to find the sweet spot of being a fan, living your dream, and being a professional announcer, so to speak? Mm, I, I I don't. I'm I'm a homer. Uh, yeah. There's no question about it. Uh, But I'll give you a clear and concise and factual accounting of what's going on. Uh, I want my team to win. It's much more fun when they do. Uh, (laughs) But uh, um, 
I am a fan and an historian as well at the same time. Um, but I but I pride myself on being a pretty good broadcaster and working hard at being really good at, at it. Uh, it, it. Early on, and when I got the job in '89, uh, it took me a few years to not be channeling my predecessor. I mentioned him, Tom Kelly, or Dick Enberg, or Chick Hearn, or Vin Scully, or Bob Miller, any of the greats in Los Angeles. It, it took some time not to try to put all of them into me. And it was Vinny who actually I had lunch with one day because I was also at the same time the public address announcer at Dodger Stadium. And, and, I, and he asked me how it's going, and I told him, and I said, but I, I don't feel comfortable. I, I don't know who I am. And he said, be, be yourself because you're the best you there is. Uh, you're the only you there is. And, and, I, and I took that to heart, and, I, and I, I throw in a little, you know, personal comments and so on, but uh, now, now I'm me, and I do pay homage to those guys from time to time by using phrases or even talking about them on the air. Well, as a Fordham product, I'm very thankful for the the Vince Scully mention. Those are the best. Sure. Well, yeah, he's he was awesome. He was a nice guy. What a nice guy. Never mind broadcaster. Just a nice guy. So let's get to the Trojans. I guess with a couple of months now to kind of weed through all of last season. What was the most impressive thing in your mind now in retrospective of year one for Lincoln Lincoln Riley? Well, they were able to do anything uh, because <laughs> you know, and it's it's the transfer portal. To be quite honest with you, uh, because if you look at schools around the country and you say, oh, they just changed coaching staffs and they lost a bunch of guys and they got a bunch of new guys and their schedule's tough, you know they're going to have a tough year. Um, and SC really didn't have a tough year, really tough year. They weren't very good on defense, but they were so good on offense that they just outscore you most of the time. Uh, they won some games that were really close, that, that were high-scoring games. They lost a couple at the end there that uh, they let get away. Um I was impressed that they didn't stink or, or at least <laughs> not be great. They, right. they At least they, I thought they wouldn't be great. I thought they'd be pretty good and they were better than pretty good. Are people giggling on campus as folks around the country pick other quarterbacks or other possible Heisman winners other than, than Caleb? Well, I I've had conversations with friends of mine in the business and we are all of the same ilk that that we don't believe there's any possible way uh shy of 100 touchdown passes and 10,000 yards passing in a single season that, that Caleb Williams wins the second Heisman trophy in a row it just doesn't happen and and it, it may be because of you know midwestern and southern backlash voting whatever it is uh it, unless he's just ridiculously fantastic and they run the table in the regular season it, it, it seems unlikely, and it also seems unimportant, really. Yeah, uh, I mean, we Archie Griffin shouldn't have won. Anthony Davis should have won that second year, and if if people would have waited until after that seventy four Notre Dame game, he probably would have, and we probably still wouldn't have a two time winner. Uh, we always thought OJ should have won it twice instead of Gary Beban at UCLA back in the sixties, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, I. He, he, Caleb's really good, really, 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 really good. Best quarterback I've ever seen at SC. Um, and he's surrounded, they've surrounded him with good offensive linemen and great skill guys and 
All they got to do now is tackle better. And if they do that, they'll, they they got a good chance to win a lot of games. Yeah, we'll get to the defense in a second. But as far as, as the offense goes, is the goal to match what they did last year? Or do they think they can exceed all of that production? Well, don't think about it, I think, is really important. Don't think about it. Just go out and play as well as you can today uh, and let, let that kind of stuff take – it's really true. You know, you hear that all the time from coaches, and, and it, it's really true. Because if you try to match what you did last year – that's that's fool's gold. So just go out and beat San Jose State, and then go, go beat Nevada, and then go beat Stanford, and you know do do good, do good every week, do as good as you can every week, and then the last six games of the season, let's see what happens. Uh, thank you for reminding me of San Jose State. I think you're the first guy this week to join us on actual game week. You've got a game in a little more than forty eight hours. Where are you prep wise this close to kickoff? Um. Let's see. <laughs> I'm uh, I, I'd say uh, 65 to 70 percent. Okay. First games are horrible, as you know, because uh, first of all, you haven't said football words in, in forever. So you, you got to dust off. You, I feel like the tin man on opening day. I need an oil can uh, <laughs> just to get get loose. Um I, I, I and I I'm uncomfortable. I'm really uncomfortable because the media is not allowed to view practice at SC, including me. And so, at all. I, I, you can go in and watch stretching and the first team drill, which means you can watch wide receivers practicing against other wide receivers, etc. And then they kick you out, and then they let you back in at the end to, to interview players. Haven't seen a play. So the first play I see is the first play you see this Saturday. And, and, and so, uh, take it easy, you know, keep it simple, stupid. It's, it's my, my motto for game one, usually all the time. And especially now, because I don't know anything, uh, you can't watch last year's film and you can't watch last year's San Jose state film. So we're just going in blind and, and we're, I'm going to go in and have a good time. Uh, this is Pete Arbogast, the voice of the USC Trojans, with us here on CBS Sports Radio. So getting back to the team this year, you've already touched on the defense a little bit. The last two times we saw them, they were getting gashed on the ground in particular. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's been priority number one through the transfer portal, through camp, to get that particular part of the defense right? Tackle somebody. Yeah. Uh, that'd be good. And and they probably will, because I look at the, 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 the spotter board and the two deeps, uh, and, and the depth chart shows me that there are some guys who started last year who are second string this year. This looks on paper to be a better defense than it was a year ago. How much do they need to be better? 25%? If they're 25% better numbers-wise on defense, uh, they'll probably uh, be very, very difficult to beat, assuming that the offense does uh, what it has normally done. But remember last year... Uh, the offense didn't perform at high gear in every single game. They went up to Oregon State and laid an egg and had to get a touchdown with a minute left to to beat the Beavers, which, is, look, Oregon State's coming. Uh, Jonathan Smith's done a great job up there. We don't play them uh, anywhere. And they beat us two years ago at the Coliseum for the first time in 100 years. And then uh, and then they beat they almost beat us up there last year. So be a little better. Be a little better. And it looks like they are. It, it looks like the, the portal guys that came in are – Really good. I look across the board, and a lot of them are starting. Uh, Anthony Lucas, Bear Alexander, Keon Bars, Mason Cobb, uh, guys that we haven't called before but have played appreciable football at other schools. And uh, this kid, Tackett Curtis, a true freshman, is the you know the second coming of, 
of the Lord. Uh, <laughs> as apparently, he's uh, he's going to be something special. Uh, they 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 say they remind him of uh, Brian Cushing when he was a kid at SC, and that's uh, that's some high praise for sure. So, you know, be better, tackle better, wrap up better, learn the scheme better, whatever it takes, get to the ball. Um, you know, we won't be fooled again. They were maybe the best thing they did last year was take the ball away. Is that a repeatable thing? Is that one of those numbers that kind of goes back to the mean year in year over year? Well, again, you better not think of it too much. You just yeah. let it happen organically, uh, you know. And if you get a couple here and there, that's great. Plus twenty one was that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and and having nineteen interceptions, they had three pick sixes in one game last year at the beginning of the season. I'm not expecting it. It wouldn't shock me. You know, that's that's a great number in college football and any football. Don't turn the ball over and, and make them spit it out a few times. And it, it matters where they do it too. Um I don't I don't it's another thing you can't think about. You just gotta make it happen. Uh you've mentioned the portal more than once. There's a lot of talent that's brand new on campus. Is it as easy as it appears for these guys to just walk around the country and pick who they want for the spots that they want and all of a sudden they're Trojans? I haven't talked to the coaches about this much, but I do remember, and I think it's like this. That's why I bring it up. I remember talking to Pete Carroll and Ed Orgeron uh, mid to late in in their run and uh, how difficult it was. We talked about how difficult it was when they first got there to recruit and how they had to bang down doors and drive to far-flung places. And and I said, how is it now? And he said, we we can't. The phone's ringing off the hook every single day. We can't answer the phone. It's so busy. And, and I get the feeling. And of course, there was no portal then. But yeah. I get the feeling that it's the same sort of thing. And you saw that maybe yesterday, yesterday or two days ago, uh, SC signed the number one prospect in the the top three hundred at, at quarterback for twenty twenty six. Right. <laughs> and five minutes later. The number one prospect in, in a run, I think it was a running back from Texas, called them and said, "I'm coming." And they didn't even they, they didn't even reach out to the guy. <laughs> so, yeah, it. Uh, I'm sure it's like that at Alabama, and Ohio State, and Georgia. Right. I'm sure there's a ton of schools that they don't even. That, that recruiting is easier here than it might be somewhere else. I'm glad you mentioned it. I guess his name is Julian Lewis, right? And when I saw 2026, I had to do the math and try to figure out exactly how old that makes him today. He got to be fifteen, right? 16? I think so. I think he's is he a high school freshman? Can, can you commit as a freshman to a to college football? And Davis Mills was eighth grader, I think, when Kiffin offered him, and he turned out to be pretty good. He's he been playing in the pros. Uh, you know, offers and commitments. Yeah. Commitment is a is a word that's foreign these days. Uh, none of that means anything until you sign the letter, and even then. You're only good for a year. You, you can transfer out in the portal any any old time you want. It's a it's a new era. It's a yeah. it's a free for all. Uh, last question on a personal note: as a USC, as a Pac-12 lifer, what are you feeling as the as the conference kind of fades away? Well, there's there's two things. I, it seemed ridiculous to share money equally with schools that aren't as good as you athletically. Uh, so they, they probably made the right decision for financial reasons. For me personally, look, I've got, let's say, let's call it 10 years left in my career. Uh, I get to go and see teams I've never seen in places I've never been. 
which makes me very happy. I like to collect stadiums and experiences. I I feel, and it's not I'm not the first one to bring it up that eventually this will be a super conference type of thing where there'll be forty, maybe even sixty schools that will break away from the NCAA and and form their own union, if not in everything in football only at least, um, and play only each other and have their own playoffs and all that good stuff. Uh, give me two teams on the field, one of them is mine. I'm in the booth. I get to call the game. Our fans love USC football. They'll listen. They'll watch the games. They'll come to the games. It doesn't matter if you're playing. If you're playing Florida or if you're playing San Jose State, they're going to show up. They're going to have a good time. Pete, this was an honor. It was a blast. Thank you so much for making time on a game week for us. Uh, safe travels this year. Hope we can talk to you during the during the campaign. Hope so too. Enjoy the season. I can't wait to get started. Yeah, us too. And again, there are games. Very, very soon. That Notre Dame-Navy game in Ireland is Saturday. This game's at night. I wanted to point this out. Not that you need any new evidence of how bad the Pac-12 network setup was. USC, number six in the preseason poll. Heisman winner from last year. Front runner from the, for this year, Caleb Williams. Their opener at home on Saturdays on Pac-12 network against San Jose State. It's on Pac-12 network. Who's going to see that game? Who's going to see number six USC debut against anybody? What's on ESPN Saturday night? UMass and New Mexico State. You might not even know that those two schools played football, but they do, and they're going to be on ESPN, and they're going to have more people by accident to watch them than they can actually want to watch but can't USC and San Jose State because of the Pac-12 network. Full disclosure, I talked to Pete yesterday afternoon via Zoom. You could maybe tell the difference in the audio quality. I wasn't lying how jealous of his particular, it might be the best job in the biz. He did that sitting on what looked like a very nice outdoor or open-air porch at his home in California in a Hawaiian shirt. Just having a great afternoon. I mean, that's the life, man. That's the life. We need a timeout on the other side. One last batch of headlines from Peter Schwartz, and then after that, some NBA conversation with Gerald Brown from SiriusXM NBA Radio. That's next on CBS Sports Radio. Quick reminder that driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal, and law enforcement officers can tell if you were driving high. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI paid for by NHTSA. Welcome back to the end of this Thursday edition of The Da here on CBS Sports Radio. Andrew Bogish in for DA. We're here again tomorrow with Kevin Wall, with Greg Caserta, with Pete the Body Bilotti, and maybe Billy Jacqueline. I'm not sure if he has fully recovered yet from what befell him, I don't know, uh, 70, I'm bad with time, more than an hour ago. He seems to be okay, but I don't know. Today's epic fail when Billy saw that white light. Saw that white light. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic feel. It's Andrew Bogish. It's Kevin Wall. It's Ryan Botcher. It is Billy Jacqueline. Sorry about that, Billy. Billy is free to come in whenever he wants. It's the Billy Jack show. But he's not necessarily making a personal call right now. He is hiding from a newsroom conversation that he does not want to be in. Normal- Hi, Andrew. Hey, Billy. How are you? You don't, you don't need to name names, Billy, but... It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. 
what the heck is going on outside that you are hiding in here? A conversation about uh, names on the back of Yankee jerseys. Excuse me. Right, this is boring. Billy came in for personal safety and to warn Kevin and Ryan not to leave, to avoid getting caught in the shrapnel of a conversation involving two people. Do you like Dairy Queen? So Billy, once again, is coming to the rescue of this entire, an entire organization, saving himself and saving the rest of us <laughs> from that hailstorm. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm about to cough up a lung. <laughs> uh, one of... I mean, you can connect some dots here, right, people? One of the guys involved is wearing an Aaron Judge jersey, and it says Judge on the back. Wow! <sighs> I'm probably on the side of the idea of you cannot have a Yankee jersey with a name on the back. You just can't. Are you kidding me? It should be a jailable offense. I should be slapped around. It was getting heated. I, I looked outside the window, and they were yelling. Here's the thing. This is something that people in their early 20s or high school kids, we got two grown 50-year-old men arguing about this. And yes, the other person in the conversation is Schwartz. Ho, ho, ho. Sports giants. It's exactly how... It's everything that you can imagine right now. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. And that argument that almost killed Billy and maybe somebody else as an innocent victim led to today's poll question. At what age should you stop arguing about jerseys? 18 to 29, 30 to 50, never, or jersey arguments are dumb. And after 68 votes were cast... Jersey arguments are dumb as a blanket response won by an almost three to one margin over never stop arguing about Jersey. So we really went one of two ways for the most part here is they're just dumb, never have them or always have them, but never have them gets the win here. Which brings us to advanced analytics. The first sports jerseys were made with cotton or wool fabrics before nylon and lycra came around in the 1930s. Traditional duels over arguments faded out in the 1870s here in the States. The Yankees are roughly 22% of the way to retiring jersey numbers up to 99. And quote, jerseys should never be tucked in from Kevin Wall. That's true. They only get tucked into uniform pants, and you that shouldn't be it. wearing the uniform pants as well. I mean, we got people wearing khakis with their jerseys tucked in. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I saw oh, the yeah. khakis, but the George 99 jersey is in the khakis, is in the Dockers? It's in the khaki pants, and it's tucked in. I, I, can I almost feel like that's an HR violation? That we shouldn't have to be around that. All we need is uh, flip-flops or sandals with yeah. uh, socks on. Well, I said that to Wall in a break. The other day, you know what? In a trade, you probably take the George jersey because the other day, the same person was talking to me about a serious topic in cargo shorts and Birkenstocks, and his feet should be covered at all times. So he is just, there's no safe space. There's just no safe space. All right. Only we're, this, please. We're done Thankfully, for this Thursday, huge thanks to Pete Arbogast, the voice of USC football, and to Gerald Brown from SiriusXM NBA Radio. Tomorrow, FanDuel up in Adams. 
Uh, Matt Hamilton's on the show. More on Otani and everything else heading in. So there's preseason football tonight as well. So a lot to do on a summer Friday tomorrow. But for now, we're done. For Kevin, for Ryan, for Peter, for Billy, I'm Andrew. Have a great Thursday. The Mothership disconnects. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 